Welcome to Behind the Flag Podcast, sponsored by Get It Right Enterprises. Come on, join the crew and take the field during Friday Night Lights. We will learn from experienced guest presenters and mentors that will help you become a better football official, providing the tools to put you in the correct position to make the right call. Raise your officiating knowledge and strive to become the best football official and expert in National Federation High School rules. Learn the art of film breakdown, mechanics, and philosophies. You know, every year we have an entire off-season to get prepared. But in-season, you only have one chance to get it right. All right, here we go. Welcome back. Another Saturday morning behind the flag. And um, today we have Dusty Young from the NMAA and JP Marietta joining us. And um, what a duel to have on a Saturday morning. This is going to be interesting to hear these two talk about uh, the NMAA and high school football in the state of New Mexico. Ken? Yeah, I know everybody gets tired of us talking rules and watching video clips, so this is kind of cool. Change it up a little bit with a couple of guys who have deep roots in New Mexico. So looking forward to it. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> Dustu, uh, we'll start with you. If you want to just give us a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, um, how many years you worked in MLA, kind of your, your responsibilities, roles, yeah, absolutely. First, guys, thank you so much for, for having us. Uh, what, what you all do for our state on the officiating side is awesome. And, and I know what you guys are doing with this show is really keeping folks engaged. So so thank you guys for, for what you all do. Uh, for myself, I am here from New Mexico. I went to Manzano High School. Uh, I was actually a, a baseball player, uh, loved all sports, but my main focus, my family's main focus was always baseball. I uh, played baseball in Manzano, was lucky enough to go from there to UNM, uh, play baseball at UNM, and then uh, a few years in the minor leagues uh, with the Florida Marlins organization. And uh, really the, the only reason I am with the NMAA still today is because of our current commissioner of officials, Dana Pappas. Um, she is actually my cousin, and I think uh, a few people know that, but, but not everywhere. Um, and she, uh, when I came back after my last year of pro ball, I was actually still planning to, to go back and give that, that pipe dream a, a try, but I was looking for a part-time job. And Dana said, hey, we're looking for a soccer officials assigner. And I said, well, I don't know anything about soccer or assigning officials, but I'll give it a go if you guys are in that much of a bind. And I must have uh, done something right uh, because I, I was asked from there to, to stick around as an administrative assistant and have since moved on, uh, you know, all the way up to where I am now as an associate director. I'm in my 16th year with the NMAA. I'm currently the director of football and baseball. Uh, also work with activities like JROTC, chess, and esports. And uh, really just uh, <clears throat> happy to be here. And, and again, I love my job. I've been here for, like I said, 15 years, going on 16, and being able to work with high school athletics and work for kids in schools for officials is just such a great honor. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that uh, you and Dana were, were cousins. That's, that's good to know. Uh, but 16 years, wow, that's uh, quite a run. 
Yeah, so we, we won't hold that against you, by the way. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I should reference that or not, you know. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, New Mexico is a small state, and everybody knows everybody, it seems like. So, so. Uh, JP. Well, it's a little-known fact that I'm a cousin to Dana Pappas. No, that's not really true at all. I actually, I have a different career path bringing me to the NMAA. My athletic resume isn't as accomplished as Dusty. I grew up out in Southern California, uh, played sports in high school, but, you know, uh, was a five, nine, hundred nothing white guy and realized that my athletic career wasn't going far. So, but I wanted to find a way to stay involved in sports. And I was always um, involved in high school with uh, speech and theater arts and all that sort of stuff. So I pursued a career in sports broadcasting and went to school, got a degree at Pepperdine University in telecommunications and out of college, got a job working in Farmington, New Mexico and started my broadcasting career up at KOBF in Farmington, New Mexico. And for a guy from Southern California at the time, I didn't even know there was a place called Farmington, New Mexico, um, but worked up there for about uh, two and a half years, loved it up there in the Four Corners. After about two and a half years, came down to Albuquerque, worked at KOB-TV in Albuquerque since about the spring of 96. And um, just for the last couple of years, um, took a job with the NMAA as the sports information director. And a lot of what I did in television, doing interviews, highlights, features, sound bites, uh, that sort of thing. Um, I bring that skill set to the NMAA. And so I'm responsible for a lot of their material on the website and social media and dealing with the media and media credentials and that sort of thing. So um, it was really a seamless transition from kind of the TV world to um, working with the NMAA. Um, and it just ties in well with my passion for sports and high school sports. Um, when I was at KOB, um, I started up a high school show there um, and did that for more than two decades. Um, and so I really just found a way and a different avenue to continue uh, the passion of uh, covering high school sports. Yeah, you know, um, I tuned in to KOB one night and and you weren't there all of a sudden, <laughs> sudden i was gone yeah, all of a sudden you're gone and i'm like where did jp go you know and uh where am i gonna get all my my scores from now and then you popped up here uh at the nmaa which was 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 really really nice to see and i'm glad that uh you took that position because um looks like you're having a lot of fun there yeah, it's great. It's a lot of fun. And you're not alone in that assumption. For the first couple months, you know, working uh, off of television and kind of behind the scenes at the NMAA before we started doing more stuff on the website um, with video and that sort of stuff, I would see people out in public and they'd ask me, hey, how's retirement? Or, you know, um, you left television. What are you doing now? And so it was a lot of people <laughs> had to kind of uh, find out where I was and what I was doing. Yeah, well, it's glad. It, it's uh, I'm glad to see that uh, that you know you really grabbed the hold of this this role here that they um, hired you for, and uh, you put out a lot of good information, a lot of uh, funny little anecdotes there, and uh, you know I I I get on the social media just to see what you have to say that morning, and. Uh, you know, kind of brightens up the day for people. So keep it up. 
Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. I got a quick comment uh, for JP. The, uh, you put out a video last year, and I know we're going to try to talk football here, but you put out a bench decorum video uh, about expectations and stuff, and it went to all the coaches. And you know, Dennis and I both call basketball as well. That really helped set the table for proper behavior by the coaches and, and you know, administrators and stuff like that. And I don't, as an official, I just want to tell you how much we appreciate that video you put out. I think it was last year or year before. Yeah, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's really elements like that was a big reason why Sally and Dusty brought me over uh, to the NMAA is to start um, producing a lot of video content and really kind of taking this next step um, for what they had already been doing with their website and things like that. So, yeah. And I mean, we've taken steps from producing videos like that to producing weekly uh, informational videos with NMAA executive director, Sally Marquez, to even just the fun little videos um, that you were talking about, Dennis, on social media, um, to a weekly high school show that we started last year, um, which we were taking on the road and all around the state. So, you know, it seems like we're taking uh, step by step and kind of progressing in that direction. So, but I, I appreciate that comment. I know, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about the uh, the video. Yeah, and JP, give, give me uh, what what's your your title again there, NMA? Sports Information Director is the name they put, or is the title they put underneath my name on the door. So I'll go with that. All right. Sounds yeah, good. but I've heard, I've heard Dusty call him other things, so <laughs> I'm not sure if that's. Yeah, this is a G-rated podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, it's kids rated, rated. So, you know, I'm sure that there are some some uh, students that tune in and listen. So, um, you know, we enjoy when they send us messages, also. So, we know that there's a under 18 audience. So, we try to keep it clean. Um, Good to know. Yeah. So, Dusty. So, Dusty, just um, you know, we we were talking earlier offline. Um, Dana had sent out a commissioner's corner just last week talking about the history of the NMAA. Um, I don't know if you could talk a little bit about the history of, of the high school football here. Um, you know, if you have anything to, to add to that off the top of your head, maybe a little bit of a role with uh, your position and, and the head coaches in the state with, with football also. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think when you mention, <clears throat> excuse me, when you mention high school sports in New Mexico, uh, people automatically think of state basketball and, you know, the pit and how, uh, how that place gets packed. What, what I think is lost sometimes is how big football is as well. Uh, there are some deep traditions here in New Mexico. You look at some of our schools down south, Artesia, of course, with the, you know, numerous state championships in the Bulldog Bowl that they pack you know, every week, regardless of, you know, how well their season's going or not. And, um, you know, schools like Carlsbad with, with deep tradition as well, uh, Las Cruces, Mayfield, I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think what, what's been exciting about football uh, over the last few years is there are so many more teams that, that are competitive and, and that, um, you know, it used to be every, every year you'd see Las Cruces or Mayfield or, or Clovis or, you know, teams from down south, they, they would run away with this thing. Well, now there's teams all across the state that are really competing and, and giving, their, giving their all. And high school football is, is huge here now. Uh, you know, we have over 120 schools participating. 
Um, it's because of the nature of the sport, of course, you have more more kids participating in football than, than any other uh, sport in the state. And, and it's just awesome. You, you know, I think what, what our coaches do um, is phenomenal. And, and right now I feel so bad for them. They, they should be getting ready for the, the state playoffs, uh, which, which would be going on really within the next couple of weeks. Uh, unfortunately, with the, the pandemic, we're, we're not in that situation right now. But I will say I've talked to so many coaches over the last six months and they're still staying engaged and, and they're keeping those kids, you know, hope and hope alive and, and keeping them active and, and not only, you know, workouts and lifting weights and things like that, but they're truly being there for those kids and they're, they're being that second parent because right now our kids need that more than anything. Yeah, you know, you talk about the coaches being engaged. We did have a couple coaches come on early in the spring or early in the summer, I'm sorry. Uh, the offensive coach, I believe from La Cueva, and then um, refresh my memory, Ken. It, it was Clovis's uh, defensive coordinator. Well, we did offense and defense. So we've had four coaches on this show. We did offensive schemes and defensive schemes. So um, we reached out to four coaches in the state, in different parts of the state, not just in Albuquerque, but um, um, one was from, I believe, Mayfield, or was it Las, Las Cruces? Um, and and they came on and, and they just talked football and, and what they're trying to do with their kids. And, um, you know, they didn't have to come on and talk to, to a bunch of uh, high school football officials, but, um, you know, they're trying to find other avenues to reach out and, and to get a different perspective and to help train high school officials. So, so the coaches have, I, I think have done a good job also that this, uh, this off season and the season that we're supposed to be having. So, um, you know, I don't know if you, if you got any feedback, Dusty, from, from when we did that, but um, you know, I think it was great that, that the coaches did come on and, and gave us a hand with um, just teaching the officials a different aspect of the game. Yeah, and we, we have heard feedback that, that our coaches really do appreciate being involved with the officials association. Uh, I think uh, over the years that that kind of one-on-one um, -on -one relationship between coaches and, offic and officials have kind of been lost. Some of that we, we think stems from the fact that all of our rules clinics um, became online. There wasn't a whole lot of face-to-face -face interaction. And, you know, obviously now with technology and Zoom and, and hopefully getting back to in-person meetings, we can kind of change that narrative and get coaches and officials back in the same room, understanding who each other is, not only as an official or a coach, but also as a person, uh, because I think that goes so, so far and such a long way in relationships and communications once that game actually does start. Hey, JP, could you tell us a little bit about your interactions with coaches, you know, when you were a sportscaster or, you know, even officials? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I've been covering high school athletics in this state for, I mean, over 25 years now, um, which is hard to believe. But um, over that time in covering so many um, programs statewide, uh, I've had built up relationships with a lot of these longtime coaches who have been around for so long. And so making that transition to the NMAA, um, is kind of fun that I have that opportunity to continue those relationships because immediately when I came over to my new job, I was still contacting a lot of these coach uh, coaches from programs from all over the state. And they already knew who I was, where I'd come from, 
Um, and that helps in helping get our message out from the NMAA because they know that I'm familiar with high school football in New Mexico. Um, they know my work covering teams and covering programs. They know I'm familiar with, you know, history of football in this state. Um, so there's a little bit of credibility that comes with that, both from an official standpoint and from uh, a coaching standpoint. So um, it's been nice, that transition and building up those relationships, because I have a lot of good relationships, much like Dusty does, I'm sure, dealing with uh, coaches from uh, all around the state in all different classes. Yeah, so, um, you know, when you, when you say that, uh, over 20, 25 years covering high school football or high school sports, but, um, you know, that brought a question to my mind. If, if you could just elaborate a little bit on, on something that has stuck out to you in, in over the 20 years. I'm sure there's more than one, one championship game or one playoff game or one Clovis-Mayfield rivalry game. Um, just talk a little bit about the history and tradition of something that you might have seen as a, as a sports guy out there on the field. Yeah, you bet. Uh, looking back on my time in covering high school football, there's probably at least three games I can think of that really stand out, all for various reasons, um, in no particular order. One is just a couple of years ago, I had an opportunity to go down um, with the NMA. We were covering highlights and going statewide um, to cover a lot of different programs. And I went down to cover the Artesia football game season opener against Carlsbad and the big Eddie County rivalry. And I've been down to Artesia before, and the Bulldog Bowl is just unbelievable. But to see that game and that many fans show up for a high school football game in such a unique setting where the passion um, for football is there is just really, really fun. Not to mention it was early on in the year. Weather was fantastic. Everyone's thinking football, you know, almost like a fall classic in week one. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And that unique experience really stood out. That would be one. Another one would be at the beginning of my career here in Albuquerque shooting high school sports. It was probably, I think it was probably about 1996 um, when Highland still had Bobby Newcomb and Highland was playing Mayfield in the, I believe it was the state semifinals, but that game was at Milne Stadium. It had just snowed the night before. Um, and it was one of the rare times in Albuquerque when it snows and it hasn't melted off by noon the next day. So there was still snow surrounding the field, cold day, obviously. And the reason why that stands out is because it was the one and only time in the dozens and dozens of high school games that I've uh, shot highlights for that I got run over. And I was about 20 yards upfield away from the play. They were coming in my direction. And the play was already dead, but one of the receivers running his route had uh, the defender had pushed the receiver out of bounds right into me. And with a camera on my shoulder, I was completely blindsided. Hit the, I mean, literally just hit the turf um, so hard that people came up to me asking me if I was okay, if I was okay. And I was fine, bounced right back up. But my immediate instinct is, oh my gosh, I hope the camera's all right. I mean, this, this is a, $25,000 piece of equipment at least. And fortunately, the only thing that was wrong with it was a battery pack uh, got cracked on the back of it, but the camera was still functional and all that sort of stuff. So that game stands out because it was the one and only time I've ever been run over at a game. And the third one that stands that's out was... That's when was, they turned the media line, right? Right after... Yeah, or at least I learned my lesson to, you know, stay 
uh, stay far enough downfield. And the third one that um, stands out wasn't a game that I viewed in person, but we had a live report down there um, was when, and I don't know if you remember this, was when uh, Clovis, California came to play Clovis, New Mexico. And that was a game that went right down to the wire, two powerhouse programs, one from California, one from New Mexico. It was the, I think it was the first of the home and home series that they had set up between those two schools. And there was at least 10,000 people there to watch the game. Um, again, went down to the wire. And that was also the year that I remember that Clovis had a kid on their team with the ultimate football name. He was a linebacker and his name was Kane Sweet. And I'm like, that's like the perfect high school football film name if you had to name a linebacker in a high school football movie. So I just, I always remember that name. But those, without taking up too much time, those are a couple of the games that really stand out over all my years of covering games. But I, I love high school football in this state. Yeah, where's Kane Sweet today, right? Yeah, that, <laughs> that I'd have to dig up a little bit. I think from Clovis, he went to Eastern New Mexico and played there, but. Where he is now, I don't know. Yeah. So, Dusty, how much traveling do you have to do with your position? Are you on the road most of the time? You know, uh, I mean, not now during COVID, but generally, are you, you know, uh, on, on Friday nights, are you around the state? Or tell us a little more exactly what you do on a day-to-day. -day. So really, in, in our office, the, the person that's on the road the most is JP. And that's because he's covering games, events, uh, all throughout the year. So so JP definitely puts a lot of the miles on. Uh, as far as going to actual games, I, I don't travel a whole lot for that until the, the state playoffs start. Um, regular season, if a school, you know, requests us to, to go check out a game, whether that be to, uh, you know, I've been to JAL when they opened their, their new field, they did some renovations. I've been to, uh, you know, uh, Bloomfield asked to, to participate in a special military night. Uh, or sometimes we, we actually have to, to go to a game and kind of just be there to, to oversee if it's a heated rivalry or, or if the administration wants some help to have some NMA folks on site just because it's, uh, you know, a heated rivalry. Um, so every now and again, in the regular season, we'll travel four games, uh, but not, not a lot, not as much as JP. Here in the state playoffs, uh, do, do try to get to as many games as possible. Um, most of those will we'll start in the early rounds, you know, in the, in the areas surrounding the, the metro area, just because it's easy to, to get to numerous different games. Uh, but once, you know, the semis or finals hit, then, then I'll start to try and travel a little bit, especially for those finals. And, um, you know, do you want to just kind of piggyback on something JP mentioned earlier? You guys asked him about, uh, you, know, you know, games that stand out as a sports broadcaster. Uh, for me, uh, I'm going to go back to what I said at the very start. Uh, New Mexico football is awesome, and part of that reason is because we're one of the unique states that still have schools playing at, neutral, or at uh, home sites instead of a, a neutral site for those state finals, and that allows communities to just get after it when they host a, a state championship. So it'd be hard for me to pick three um, like, like JP did be, because I've been to so many small communities across the state of New Mexico for a state football final, and, and those folks know how to do it. The, the hospitality, uh, the whole you know, the whole city comes out, whether it's Animus or Artesia or Crucis uh, or Bloomfield or Portales. It, it's just awesome to see how much those communities support football. Hey, hey Dennis, I got another one real quick for these guys. Dennis and I pushed through, uh, I think it was one of the executive board meetings. We're trying to get the state championships at a central location. 
and I know, I know everybody's, but all the states around us do it. So have you guys, you know, what do you, what's your opinion on that? Bringing everything into UNM Stadium or maybe even switching down to Las Cruces every other year, start some Friday night games, some Saturday games, have everybody in one central location. Uh, you know, can you guys give us some feedback on that? Is that even on the table anymore? Well, before, so that, I, let, before I let Dusty answer, because Dusty, will be <laughs> I will just say this is a conversation that Dusty and I have had for years and years and years and years, even working in uh, when I was working in television. I was wondering why it wasn't like that for the exact same reasons that you had brought up, Ken, because I think, uh, too, there's an opp opportunity for it to be a, a big celebration of football in this state in various ways. But Dusty's done a good job explaining, um, you know, why it hasn't come about in that way yet. Um, and since then, I've had the opportunity to visit even some of these other um, smaller towns that have hosted uh, state championship games, like just um, a year ago when we went down to Eunice for the state championship game. And I'd never been there before and saw the hospitality they have in the unique situation. Um, so I, I definitely see both sides of that argument but i just wanted to mention this is a conversation like this that dusty and i have had multiple multiple times so dusty take it away yes multiple times not just with jp but a number of media folks coaches ad's i mean it's a constant topic of conversation and, and you know I'll, I'll be honest on paper it, it looks great to to centralize the state football championships put them in a, a beautiful facility like the university of new mexico but going back to, you know, the reason that I mentioned earlier, our schools don't want that. We're, we're a, a member-led organization. Majority of our schools still love the idea of hosting that, that state event. Uh, all of our other state championships are, are, you know, in one centralized location. This is the one football that, that those communities, those small communities get to really, you know, showcase their town, showcase what they're all about as far as supporting their high school programs. And it's because of that that really we haven't made the change. Uh, folks, you know, I mentioned it earlier, um, Animus, going down to Animus, New Mexico, that, that's, you know, probably one of the furthest drives, that and Clayton and Jal, um, the, those are the far corners of the state, and they'll never have the opportunity to, to host a, a state playoff in, in basketball or a state championship game in basketball or, or track or volleyball but they do have that chance to to host state football and that's huge for them and when you go to those small communities and, and you go to one of the local restaurants and, and you see the just the excitement that that community has it, it's unbelievable and it, and it makes you think twice and, and say yeah maybe maybe it does make sense that we're going all across the state for these finals even though I, I do also get the argument that it'd be cool to have four state football championships in a row at a beautiful facility like UNM. So, um, you know, we, we've been talking about playoffs. Can you just, for the, for the listeners that, um, and the officials that really don't understand um, what goes into picking those teams that make the playoffs other than a record, um, you know, who's hosting and why are they hosting that game at their, at their, at their stadium? Um, for example, Las Lunas and I think it was Roswell last year. Two years, two years in a row. Uh, one was in Roswell. The next one was in in Las Unas for the championship game. But um, you know, just kind of describe to us the process there, if you could. 
Yeah, absolutely. So that's changed a, a little bit here and there over the years, but for the most part, it's really been based on a system that we use called Pass History. Uh, and, and basically what that is, you, you had a great example, Las Lunas and Roswell, you know, playing back-to-back -back years. Um, if it's in the semifinals or the finals, what happens is if those two teams are matched up, uh, if it's in Roswell year one, and then the next year they happen to be matched up again, we're going to move it over to Las Lunas. And it, and it goes back to kind of giving each community that opportunity to host a, a big-time playoff game. Uh, so we, I get the question all the time from parents especially, uh, but also, you know, media outlets and some coaches, well, we're the number one seed and all of a sudden we're traveling for the, the state final. How is that possible? And that's because of that past history kind of format that we've used for years and years. And what's funny about that is we actually have a, a document uh, that dates back all the way to 1953 that shows every state football playoff game. Uh, so sometimes I'll be I'll have to filter through that document and I won't find a matchup. Uh, you know, for the last 30 years, but all of a sudden I find a, a championship game from 1968, and that's going to decide where the 2020 state football final is. So it's pretty cool. It, it's been great tradition, and it's something that, you know, it is somewhat confusing, especially with seeds out there now. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it keeps to give you those schools and communities the opportunity to host a big-time game. And don't let Dusty downplay it where he says it's a document. Like you think it's just a one-page thing. I mean, it, it's literally like a binder full of records, literally, of past games, like Dusty said. So that in itself is, I mean, really a historical document. <laughs> yeah, you know, you bring that up. I talked to a gentleman that now lives in Colorado. He worked for the NMA. Um, I can't remember the name, his name off the top of my head. but. Uh, he would keep records of of football stats uh, here in New Mexico for years, and um, I'll send you his name, Dusty, when I dig it up. Um, it might is it is it Dan Ford? I I couldn't tell you. I have to look on my email system, um, but uh, he even wrote a couple couple books about. Was it him, Dan Ford? Yeah, that's him. That's okay. him. Yep. Yeah, and I talked to him, and, and, and he stopped writing books just because he said, um, you know, everything's electronic now, I guess. And so just the history that that, that gentleman had on, on New Mexico high school, high school sports in, in his couple books he had was just amazing when I was flipping through it. Um, and I just yeah. don't know what, what, what his tie is to New Mexico, if he could just – well, he, he's just a New Mexico football historian and, and just for whatever reason always has been. Um, he, we actually helped him publish some of those early books that he came out with, uh, with all of those football results. And what was cool about those, it wasn't just state playoffs. It was every high school football game that's ever been played that, that we know of. Um, so those books were awesome. Uh, we, we wanted to keep, you know, helping him out as far as publishing those. But like you mentioned nowadays, um, to, to update things year after year after year, the, the costs behind that to actually print something are, are pretty high. Uh, but, you know, he does have that information electronically, uh, which, again, I think is awesome that we can document every football game that's ever been played at the high school level here in New Mexico. Yeah, it's just amazing when I, was, when I was talking to him and the information he had just at the top of his head, I was like, holy cow, this guy, um, you know, knows a lot about high school. And, and the reason why I contacted him was because I was asking him if he had anything documented on football officials in New Mexico. 
um, you know, from championship crews, playoff crews, just to just, you know, the first football official in the state, you know, anything. And, and he really didn't, didn't have much. He didn't have anything on, on officials. He just said, I just never kept track of that. Hey, Dennis, I got to ask these guys about, uh, you know, since we're officials and we look up to uh, uh, our mentors, how about Lan Clark, you guys? You want to say a few words about Lan and New Hold Mexico on. and our pride and Hold on, let Dusty answer that question first. You know, about anything history-wise with officials, because I know Dana's trying to collect stuff now on, on officials that have been working. Um, you know, we talk about the Hall of Fame and, and all that stuff, but other than that, I don't think there's anything else out there other than the Mexico Hall of Fame with the 80-some or 90-some officials that are in, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so Dana's doing her best to try and dig some information up. Uh, I'll tell you really what we found in our archives, and when I say we, I really mean JP and Tyler because they're the ones that have had to dive through all that information over the last couple of years. Uh, but we found a, a lot of information as far as basketball goes uh, and track even, but for, for whatever reason, not a whole lot uh, with football, especially on the officiating side. Uh, I think really basketball might be the, the only sport where we have a – a huge database of, of history when it comes to, to officiating. Um, but that, that's not to say that, that Dana won't find some stuff because I know she's determined and, and when she's determined to find something, she's usually you know, pretty good at putting it together. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just anxious to see what they do come up with. Cause that's, I, I've had that question for a couple of years and uh, you know, Dan Ford didn't, uh, didn't have much. So I'm glad she's doing it because it, it, you know, it's part of the, the high school football history here. So that's one thing that shouldn't be overlooked, I believe. I just Absolutely. want to piggyback real quick, Dennis, on you mentioned Dan Ford again. Th those books that he put out that Dusty was talking about and you were referencing uh, have a ton of research that, that are put into them. Um, for me, being the sports information director, they're a great resource. And I've actually uh, reached out to Dan a couple times to confirm maybe someone's name or a record or anything like that, but it's not just the playoffs. He, he kind of takes it year by year, season by season. And like, let's say if there's an individual um, who holds the record for most points scored in a game or most touchdowns scored in a game, I want to say that record belongs to uh, Ernie Perea, maybe from Los Lunas High School. You know, Dan has a paragraph or two about that game specifically. And he did a ton of research that went into um those games and the history of new mexico football that went back decades and decades so i mean i applaud the work that he has done because it's a great historical reference um and just a uh, kind of fun look back on the history of high school football in new mexico yeah and, and i think he's done a lot for um for new mexico for the nmaa um you know i, I don't know if he if if he's in the hall of fame here or not or that's even been being discussed because of the the stats he's kept and the things he's done for, for the sport. But, um, you know, it's just, when I saw, when I saw his books, it was, it was just amazing to me. So I, I thought that was a good, good topic to bring up to you guys. Um, you know, when it, when it came back to me, um, cause I hadn't thought about it in a couple months, but it's glad to, I'm glad to know that, that you guys in your position know about this, this gentleman in Colorado. Oh yeah, we're familiar with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so with, with now can we talk about Lane Clark? 
Yeah, you know, we have a lot of officials that, that moved up, you know, that work in, currently work in high school and, and Division two, Division three, Division one, and NFL. So, um, but I, I kind of want to keep this a little bit to, to the history of, of what we're talking about. And if you guys could talk a little about, about the All-Star North-South game and the tradition behind that game. So, so what, what's funny about that is, is really I, I can't tell you a lot about the history of the North-South game other than it, it's obviously a big tradition in New Mexico and, and always something that, that folks look forward to. And uh, it's because I, I think a lot of people um, are under the impression that the NMAA puts on that game. That's actually all done through the New Mexico High School Coaches Association. So, so that's something that is completely separate from us. Um, really, our, the extent of our involvement is I know Dana, through the Officials Association, is involved in the, the assignments for, for those games uh, as far as the officiating crews go. But from our end, um, other than, uh, you, you know, of course, sanctioning that, that event and endorsing it on behalf of the Coaches Association, there, there's not a whole lot of involvement from us on the NMAA side. So it's all the coaches that pick the players, the coaches uh, of that game, um, where it's held. You know, Albuquerque, Las Cruces every other year, I believe. Um, yeah, that's all That's all on the High School Coaches Association. We, we actually have uh, no input or feedback on that. All right, well, JP, then the ball's in your court. What, what's your experience covering those games in the last 20 years? Well, it's fun because from the media side, um, we would cover it, uh, you know, the, uh, the all-star festivities when they'd roll around during the summer. Um, and I thought it was uh, fun because you see kind of the best of the best seniors, obviously, that cover the, that are playing in the game, um, you know, and they, and they for years and years, it was, you know, the dirty south against the north and and they had kind of adopted that moniker. Um, but from a media standpoint, the, the one thing that's always stood out about the game is it was so unless you knew specifically who the players were like it was a standout senior from this program or a standout senior from this program it was really hard to get the highlights down because at the beginning of the week they would put each other stickers on their helmets so like let's say a kirtland central helmet wasn't necessarily all kirtland central they would have a logo from portales and a you know a logo from ruidoso or so and so um they would exchange stickers with each other. And so unless you knew specifically who the player was and had a roster in hand, um, it was kind of tough to call out the player who was scoring the touchdown. So I know that that was always kind of a tricky, fun little game that would come up every North-South uh, football season. Yeah, well, you couldn't miss Gentry on the field on, the, on, on his North-South game. The quarterback. Well, no, the coaches, they were easy to identify, for sure. <laughs> it was, I'm talking about the quarterback that, that – uh, Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Zach Gentry, yeah, for sure. Again, he's one of those ones that would stand out, literally, uh, just by his uh, size and stature. Six, seven, or – Well, Dennis, are you referring to, you know, like JP said, his size, stature, ability, or the fact that his pants weren't covering his knees? Yeah. <laughs> also true. <laughs> Charlie Dotson would always joke anytime I'd go over there to cover his team when, uh, when Gentry was playing, he said, uh, yeah, we just give him the ball. If he just falls forward, we're going to get three yards. So he's like, just give him the ball, fall forward, give him the ball, fall forward. So yeah, no, he was the standout one. I talked to um, Zach shortly after he went to the combine and got drafted. Um, and he's, he's a uh, special individual. So 
Um, you know, it's fun to follow those guys' careers after you cover them in high school and then follow them in college and then, you know, um, keep your fingers crossed that they are able to succeed at the next level. So, you know, that, that's always fun. But I didn't want, also didn't want to let this time go by without uh, giving a shout-out to Land Clark because as a pro, uh, pro football fan, I love football. It's my favorite sport. I love all sports, but watching it, uh, football is my favorite. And so every Sunday I'm locked into uh, the games. Um, easy to be found on my couch every Sunday watching NFL football. And so when you get the opportunity to see one of New Mexico's own out there succeed, um, that there's a lot of pride in that. And I'm sure you guys as officials uh, do that as well. And as you'd mentioned, Ken, you know, uh, look to guys like that as mentors. And as a spectator, it's fun to kind of look at him from a, uh, a fan's perspective and, uh, and a guy who's, you know, spent so much time in New Mexico, meaning myself. Yeah, and, and since we're uh, name dropping a little bit, you know, and, and part of the history, we can't forget uh, Brian Erlacher and the things he did here from Artesia to the Lobos to the Bears. And, um, you know, I think he, he – somebody posted a picture with him and, and a group of officials down last year in Artesia at a high school game. That was you? I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, that was actually – I was at that game. That was the game when they had um, retired his number uh, at the high school and officially named the field at Lovington High School after him. So we went down there. Uh, to cover the Lovington game. They were hosting uh, Goddard uh, that night. And it was a lot of fun festivities. Um, yeah, we took a picture of Brian with uh, the officials down there. Brian is such a great ambassador for football in New Mexico, both at the high school level and the collegiate level. Um, and he's been nothing but generous uh, with his time and money, both at Lovington High School and the University of New Mexico. Um, you know, there's a guy who just gives back to the community and he recognizes that in talking with him. I talked to him for a while that night, um, just about, it's hard for him to believe that, that like, this is where he grew up. This is where it all started with a guy who eventually landed in the hall of fame and through research and, um, uh, looking up a lot of the people who have been in both the college football hall of fame and the professional football hall of fame. There are only I think the number we came up with were 110 individuals in the history of playing the game of football who are in both the College Football Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Brian Erlacher from New Mexico is one of them. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Hey, before we wrap it up tonight, guys, first of all, we really, really appreciate your time. It's been a great conversation. Do you have any questions for us or a couple of you know, officials? You guys, you know, we're kind of on an island and uh, Dennis and I just started this to, to open up communication. And, um, you know, do you have any suggestions for, you know, our podcast moving forward or you just any feedback for us? Well, I'll tell you what, you said you have any questions and you're talking about the history of football. I will kind of end and go out on my time with this. Every week on our website and social media, we have uh, Trivia Tuesdays. And so you guys being officials, you've been covering New Mexico football for so long. I'll give each of you a guess. And we've had this question on um, probably like a year ago, but what do you believe is the oldest rivalry in high school football in New Mexico in terms of games played between these two schools? I'm, I'm going to probably, I'm thinking Santa Fe high and um, maybe West Las Vegas or something just because the cities are old. 
Okay, that's a good guess. Uh, Dennis, what, what's your guess? Um, number of games played. Mm -hmm. I'll say Santa Fe and Capital. Hmm. That's a good guess, too. The correct answer, the oldest high school football rivalry in regards to games played, Artesia and Roswell. And they've played, uh, I believe the number was 109 games at this point. But, um, right, record. Yeah. Um, but that's the answer. So you can uh, you learn yeah. something new every day. There Who you has go. the winning record between them? Uh, that, I, that I'm not sure. I don't have the overall record between the two. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. So that, that I can probably look up. I'll, I'll see if I, I – actually, if I refer back to – um, uh, Ford's uh, book. I'm sure I can I can dig up the the uh, number of wins against uh, each program. Yeah. I don't know that I that I have a question, but I wanted to share one more thing from my time over the last you know 16 years with the the NMAA, and it's something that I didn't really notice. You know, my first probably four or five, but Dana actually I was with her at a state final and, and she mentioned it and ever since then I, I've always kept my eyes out for it and it's the officials of the, the state championship game and when you have a crew with an official that is at his first state final and if you watch that individual and you pay attention to him for the entire game it's really cool to see how excited they are and to see the, the fact that that smile is really never off their face mm -hmm. so so again I know we talked a lot about uh, history and coaches and, and athletes and traditions, um, but officials have, have that history too. You know, Dennis, and you mentioned that we, we can't lose that. Uh, we can't forget about that part of the game. And, and yeah, that's something that, that's really cool to me. Uh, and it happens every year. You know, we try to try to get those youngsters the experience and, and it, it doesn't matter if it's a six-man game, eight-man game, all the way up to, to class 6A, if it's that, that first state final. It's so cool to, to see the excitement from those guys because they, they care about their crap just as much as those kids and those coaches. Yeah, I agree with you. And so, um, you know, just, just to, to wrap this up, we have some couple unanswered questions from tonight. Maybe Dan Ford can tell us where Kane Sweet is at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, maybe you could talk to, Erlacher and have him contact me and we could uh, get his perspective on his timeline from high school up to his, uh, his hall of fame and, and doctoration. So, you know, that'd be, that'd be somebody um, I would love to talk to you. Yeah. We'd love to have him on the show. So I'm sure a lot of officials would like to get his uh, perspective on, on his football career. And uh, with that, uh, JP, Dusty, we appreciate your time that you spent with us. Um, I'm sure Dana's happy that uh, you agreed to do this. The officials um, might have more questions. If they do, um, you know, I'm sure that they'll reach out to you. But um, with that, we appreciate it. We'll see you next Saturday and good luck on the field.